Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of influencer marketing and branded content agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I'm going to give a very warm welcome to Preston Elder, CMO and co-founder of Neighbor.com, a marketplace that is disrupting the $400 billion self-storage industry. Preston started his first company while he was in college at Brigham Young University a videography business which both fulfilled his creative side and helped him get through college. His idea for Neighbor was born from a personal pain point before he even graduated. Today, we're going to talk about marketing tactics and how to build brand trust in a sharing economy. We'll learn what's worked for Preston's experience, what could maybe be avoided if your business is in the sharing economy or in any other type of economy, quite frankly, because we're all in business and where other brands are missing the mark. Preston, welcome. Hi, Stacey. It's good to be here. Well, super happy to have you here today. And what I'd love to do, I mean, you have a really interesting background in the fact that you started your business based on your experiences in college. I'd love to have you just fill us in on how you got started and what got you to where you're at now. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to share. So um, as you said, a neighbor was started. The concept, the idea was came about while I was in college. It actually turns out my wife and I, we were recently married and we needed storage. I was a, I was a junior going into my senior year in college um, and I was leaving for a summer internship. I was going to be in South America helping a, a, a younger company. And as I looked for storage options, my, my wife and I, we had to put our stuff somewhere. We started calling, sto- calling storage facilities and I realized every storage facility in the surrounding area was completely booked out. This shocked me. I didn't realize storage facilities booked out. Um, I had never purchased storage before. So I started calling surrounding cities and it turns out that even those facilities, the ones that weren't completely full were just very expensive. It was more than I wanted to pay as a college student. And so I, I, I kind of went to the drawing board and started calling around. I called friends. I even call, called local apartment complexes associated with the university and said, hey, is there any way I could store my stuff in this apartment that's not completely full. And I just got a lot of blank stares and a lot of no's, frankly. They said, no, it's like, that's not a thing, even though those rooms were gonna be empty for the summer. And so um, I eventually, I found an old friend. It was actually an old neighbor of ours um, back when I was very young, who lived about an hour and a half away. So called him up and he said, hey, we've got an empty garage, come use our space. So I packed up all of our stuff. I drove it there. It was the middle of the night. It was finals week. So it was just a very stressful time of my life. Uh, I ended up driving, I think it was an hour and a half there, hour and a half back. And on my way back, it's like two or 3 a.m. And I remember thinking, I know there are empty garages and empty bedrooms, even close to where I live in my apartment. Like, why did I have to drive three hours? Why did I have to rent a truck? It would have been so much more efficient if I'd been able to use a neighbor here. And so for me, it was it was a neighbor that helped me when a storage facility couldn't, and it was much cheaper, um, and it, I felt good about the, the option all around. So it wasn't in that moment itself that I decided, oh, I need to start a company, but that was the seed of 
wow, like everyone should be doing this. And then from that time on, it was, it was probably about six months later, actually, I reached out to my, one of my co-founders, wasn't a co-founder at the time, but I reached out, we had worked together at I think, three different companies. We knew each other very well and trusted each other. Um, his name's Colton Gardner and said, Hey, Colton, I've got this like idea that's been, uh, uh, it's been this itch in the back of my mind that I want to pursue. So we started making pitch decks. He was um, up at the University of Utah. Um, I was down at Brigham Young University. We pitched at both. We started winning competition money. And that's kind of how we got our first seeds of an idea going, our first initial small funding. Um, and then from there, we actually launched, pulled on my third co-founder, Joseph Woodbury. Um, we raised a, a seed round. And from there, it's just, it's exploded. Our team has grown. We're in more than 45 states at this point where you can reserve space, like rent space out. Um, but we're based out of here in Salt Lake City. Now, what was your college major? So I was a business strategy major. Okay. So you already were aligned with having potentially an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. I like to be completely honest, like not just myself, but all three of us co-founders are very risk adverse. If you had asked me, Preston, are you going to go like quit your full-time job and start a company and be an entrepreneur? I would have said no way. Like that was never part of my plan. I never aspired to be an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. but I have always been very creative. Like I do like creating things before starting neighbor. I had um, started my own videography company. So I, I like creating and, and working in, in marketing specifically. And being kind of self-employed overall too. Yeah, exactly. And so when you started this and what year was that? Yeah, so the initial idea was kind of the end of 2016, but really launched, like we didn't, we didn't start advertising neighbor to users until spring of 2017. So just over two years ago, coming up on two and a half. So Airbnb was pretty well established at that point as the sharing mindset of, of having a company where people were going to be utilizing other people's space mm -hmm. in, in their case for sleeping, in your case for storage of items. Um, did you think that helped lay the groundwork for you and kind of open doors and made it a little bit easier that they had broken those doors and people are used to potentially using other people such as Uber and Lyft to drive you places. I mean, it's a very different mindset than a decade ago. Yeah, no, they, they definitely did. Like the, the groundwork that Uber, Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, like all these companies have done, um, have made it exponentially easier for us to both communicate the idea of what we do and also establish trust. Mm -hmm. Like, in a lot of ways, I feel like their their challenges of convincing people or getting people on their product are, are even more difficult than ours. Like mm -hmm. 20 years ago, it would have seemed crazy to go sleep in a stranger's house or to get in a car with someone you'd never met before that yeah. isn't a taxi driver. But for us to say, hey, would you be comfortable storing your Christmas stuff down the street with a neighbor that you potentially already know? Mm -hmm. The idea behind neighbor is that well, we're not even trying to connect people across great distances. We're really trying to create, like connect people as close as possible to where they're living in their own neighborhood. And so that taking that step of, would you feel comfortable storing your stuff with a neighbor? Um, definitely like the, the sharing economy companies before, mm -hmm. before us helped lay that groundwork. Yeah, those are great walls to have been broken down for you guys. So what have been some of the hurdles? So, you know, obviously sharing economies in place, 
So those walls, as we just mentioned, a little bit more broken down, but there's been challenges, I'm sure, with marketing and getting people onboarded. What have you faced? How have you conquered and sold in? And I mean, you've been very successful in raising money to support the business and grow it. How have you approached this? Yeah, there's I, I've obviously a startup. Anyone that's tried to start a company or has started a company will know that there's going to be thousands of problems or obstacles that do come up. I would say two major ones that stick out were one, like uh, we're building a marketplace. Marketplaces are very difficult. It, it means that we have two types of customers that have very different needs. Like it's, it's a very rare case where someone who has space actually needs storage and someone that has like uh, who needs storage has space. Right. So, and so for that reason, we have two different people, like two different types of customers with different needs, different mm -hmm. demographics. But we need to market to both those customers before we can even start making money. Like we need to have hosts and, and renters or what we call them. So it's the chicken and egg um, syndrome. So I can, I can speak to that and how we've overcome and yeah. how we've identified ways. Um, and then I have a second, a second point as well. Uh, yeah, so to this first one, I, I think the first and foremost, like the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is we really need to, I mean, you need to identify who your customer is and where they're at. Like, how are those trends and finding them going to be different? So just to give you a, a high-level view for us, um, we quickly identified that renters, if someone needs storage, they, um, it, it's almost like buying gas. Like, it's a very, uh, when you need it, you need it. You're going to look for it, find it. Typically, it's the cheapest option, and then you're going to move forward. Like, there's a small window. It's probably a couple of days where someone says, oh, I need storage. I'm moving next week, or I'm moving in two weeks. Let me find an option. They'll, they'll go through this search period where they're trying to find it and they're out like they're proactively looking on channels. So they might be performing a Google search or on Google maps and they might be calling around or just like word of mouth or looking for facilities on the side of, uh, side of the road. So we quickly learned that by focusing on channels that did that um, lead capture. So something like Google ads, if we're bidding on the right keywords, um, so if someone says storage near me, are we in the right place at the right time with the cheapest option and the closest option? So that meant we needed to only be marketing in the, the areas that made sense where we knew we had the right supply for them. Mm -hmm. So long story short, for renters, we quickly identified that that is the best way for us to quickly service their needs is identifying the channels where they're performing searches. Now for the other side of the market, when we talk about our supply, there are very few people out there that are going to get online and type in I have an empty garage I'm not using. What can I do with it? Like they're not, they're not necessarily proactively looking for it. And so we need to find other channels. Um, two things without going into too much detail, but like two things that really worked for us were having very broad campaigns that help generate awareness. So in the market in markets where we have launched, we've done big awareness campaigns such as billboards or other advertisements where it not only establishes trust, like, oh, this is a local trustworthy brand that I, I can recognize and see, um, but it also is just like that repetition of people seeing and spreading word of mouth. And the second way that we've really focused on our hosts has been to leverage, leverage channels that don't necessarily scale. Like we do lots of grassroots efforts where we'll host local community events we might supply food or drinks at an event and reach out to a sponsor and say, hey, rather than paying a couple thousand dollars to put a small logo on the shirt, is it okay if we were to sponsor one of these things, maybe bring some food? And then 
the the host of that event is typically very grateful that like we're offering to do some of their work for them. So we get in for a cheaper cost and usually get more exposure from that event. And so, and you're, and you're being neighborly. Exactly. We, we love that. We'll host community events. We have had giant uh, barbecues where we'll have all the neighbors and anyone, you don't have to be on the neighbor platform. You can just come and hang out at a park with all of us. Um, we love it. That brand has been really important to us. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, so there's, Obviously, you know, some first thought starters that go into your business. I mean, there's insurance. Like, how do you make sure that your things are protected? And I'm sure that's easy. You just buy insurance policies as part of what you offer. And then there's, uh, okay, do people wear, I'm, I'm just thinking of things that pop up. Would people be concerned of um, people going through their stuff? as well, which would be something that would be. And my assumption is all of these are types of points that you are addressing in your conversations. And so you're trying to pre-identify where the pain points are for people to potentially stop them from participating. It's a great question. Yeah. In fact, you just nailed on that second issue. I, I mentioned there was two things, two hurdles. And yeah. the second one, you hit it. It's just the word trust. Yeah. How can people trust our brand? And I, I think first and foremost, we already touched on it. The fact that Uber... Airbnb, all these companies have really established that, that feeling that with reviews and a safe platform that has thought through all the issues, um, they've learned, yeah, uh, consumers have learned, yes, I can trust peer-to-peer -peer platforms. Now, for us, the biggest, the biggest um, protection that I would say we have put up is the fact that we've really focused on brand. Like, we, we've it's the reason our company is named neighbor even to begin with. We want to make it feel you're not storing with a stranger. You're actually storing with someone down the street that's a neighbor of yours, someone that you can come to know that, quite frankly, will probably help you move your things in when you're coming to the house. Like they're, they're, they're very welcoming. These are people that want to help others and will also be making money at the exact same time. So trust and building that brand has been, has been vital to, to everything we do. So we think, uh, what like from a consumer perspective, how do we need to build this experience to establish trust? Mm -hmm. Now, in addition to that, we've also created lots of these um, like safety features that help users feel very protected. We've got a review system where you can read the reviews of your previous host. We also have things such as um, uh, you mentioned our guarantee. We have a $2 million guarantee that protects every homeowner and their things. So mm -hmm. if there was a slip and fall or the house were to be damaged, now we want every host and renter, if there's small issues, to resolve those first and foremost between themselves. But we have this guarantee in place in case something crazy were to happen. Sure. Um, in addition to that $2 million host guarantee, we have a $25,000 renter guarantee. And that protects every renter that is going to be storing their items and they're worried, like, what if there were a fire or a flood or something were to go wrong? That covers them. Um, as far as other questions like, what if someone were to go through my things? Well, a lot of that is we want this host and renter to be able to communicate beforehand. You can go see the space and meet the renter, make sure you feel comfortable with who they are. Um, we make it very, it's very specific in our terms of service that it can't, like they, they can't go through things. It's also on the flip side, they can't store certain items either. They can't store anything perishable or flammable or illegal. Um, and we make that very clear. And then as far as things as accessibility is another question that comes into this trust factor is like, well, is this person going to be coming to my house all the time? Right. And, and three really, in the morning. I must have my Christmas items at three in the morning. I'm ready now. Yep, totally. 
And what's, um, what's nice is, well, first and foremost, our renters rarely access the space. If you're putting something in storage, it's probably because you don't need it on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis. So that's, that helps resolve that. Whenever every host lists their space, they have the option of selecting three different features or three different levels of accessibility. Ooh. Let's say I'm listing a concrete slab on the side of my house for somebody to come park. I could say this is available 24 seven. I don't care if you come at three in the morning because it's not, um, like you're not, it's not invasive. You're not coming into my home. Um, the second option is buy or it's business hours. And so let's say you own an office and you've got an extra room in that office and you're like, well, we're going to be there during business hours anyways. And we might as well make a few hundred dollars a month off that office space. You're welcome to come anytime during business hours. And then finally there's buy appointment only. And by appointment only is the most common for home use. And so both the renter, they understand, I can only access that space if I send the host a message and the host says, yes, you can come see, see like visit the space. Sure. Um, and yeah, I, I, what's nice about this platform is it's not too much different than the current self-storage industry as well. Like even for self-storage, most facilities will close yeah. at a certain point in, in the evening, like five or six at night, and you can't access your stuff anyways until the next day. No, it's very true. And what you also said about people not ever going back to their storage if it's long term, I am a good case in point. <laughs> when my husband and I met and I moved out of my house and into his house, we downsized, but we didn't want to get rid of everything. So for over a year and a half, we kept things in storage. It was a lot of money to spend, by the way, and a lot of things we probably didn't really need, but we didn't go once. So it, it's easy to see that you don't have to stop by all the time. Yep. No, totally. But um, yeah, so those, those are the two big hurdles that I would say, like the marketplace building two sides of the market, and then also trust, um, making sure that our users can feel comfortable and confident when they come, they realize, hey, I can, I can get paid every time, every month on time. That is another part of trust. Even if, let's say a renter were to come and start renting my basement, what would happen if they stopped paying after a month? Well, neighbor, like in order to establish trust with each of our hosts, we promise that we'll continue paying for that monthly rent until their items have been removed. And we'll help with that process of removing. So as, as a host, you never feel the difference. That space is um, like you continue to get paid for that space. Right. That's great. So you take on any legal requirements of going after the person who's abandoned their items. Yeah, we, we help with the, we help through that process. So in the case of abandonment or if there's an eviction process, we follow all lien laws according to the state to help remove those items. Give yourself a few more years and expand a little bit more and you too can have a whole like storage war type of show <laughs> of all the things that you have found and collected. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's great. So, okay. So you're using local communities to get the word out. Uh, are you focusing on large cities right now? Are you focusing on smaller cities or college towns or how are y'all choosing on what, what locations around the United States you're going after as you're building? Are you going all in for the biggest of the biggest or a more moderate approach? Yeah, no, it's a good question. We started very local here in Utah, and it was, let's focus on the communities where we're living. We're very micro-focused, even within cities. Very quickly, we spread all throughout Utah, and we've got a very good footprint here. Um, at this point, though, our, our organic growth, and it, it, it's been very encouraging. Our, our SEO and our brand name outside of the Utah market has exploded. We now get more reservation or registrations and growth outside of the state than, when we, than we do within the state of Utah, and that's been happening for some time. So 
But while we're growing organically across the nation and growing fast, it's, um, we do have select markets where we've identified, okay, these are markets where we do want to do a focused effort. We want to go out and launch. Like just recently, we, anno- we announced a launch into the LA market. Mm-hmm. And in addition to LA, we've got um, a lineup of other markets already identified that we'll be launching into. Uh, one of the key questions we ask ourselves are, will we be able to find both supply and demand? Like, is there demand for storage in this market? As well as, do we feel pretty confident that we can get supply in that market? Okay. So those are, um, those are uh, as far as like strategy and how we select those markets, that's what we think about. And if you had to do this over again, would you approach in a different way? Or do you think you've ticked off all the boxes that you would have taken the first go around? Uh, it's a good question. I like, I try not to think too much about the past and what I would have done different, <laughs> but. Um, it's all learning lessons. Everything in life is a learning <laughs> as an entrepreneur. Totally. Um, would we have done it different? I don't think so. I, I really think it's, it's been vital to our growth that we've, we've had to focus on these micro bubbles. I, uh, one way that, um, uh, and this, this goes for lots of sharing economy companies for anyone out there that's interested in starting a sharing economy economy company if if i'm a model such as uh, like a home sharing let's say airbnb for example they've got a great viral model where if there's only three hosts that live in a foreign country let's say thailand and i want to go visit thailand and i really like using airbnb there's a fairly good chance i could use airbnb like i could find one of those three listings and that i will travel to that location and probably revolve part of my trip around that mm-hmm. now with a, a very local-based sharing economy company, let's say storage with neighbor, if I need storage, I'm not going to want to drive an hour and a half or out of my way to store items. The value comes in the fact that it's my neighbor. It's in my own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so with, with an Airbnb model where I can use even individual listings in a select market, and then not only that, but that person, if I were to use Airbnb in Thailand, when I go home, I'm taking Airbnb with me. I can become a host in that new market. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful way that they've got the, this viral growth model where hosts can be renters and renters can be hosts. Um, for our model, we've, we've really had to identify local markets where we can go deep, reach liquidity, and make sure that not only do we have enough options for people to find storage, but we have the right type of space. Right. So if I need to store my car and there's only a a room that's available to store things. I'm not going to be able to store my car there. We need to make sure that we have the right variety and the right type in a given market. And is it impacted at all? Do you have local, I mean, Airbnb has local commerce laws that they have to deal with all the time and regulations. Is something like this really regulated by cities or is it enough that it's privatized, let's say, enough that it's not something that local government uh, gets involved with and enforces? No, that's a great question. We've like we've made it a priority to make sure that we follow all laws that um, in any market that we're going into. We also encourage every one of our hosts and renters to make sure they're following those laws so that we're in accordance to like what can be stored and where. Um, thankfully, like knock on wood, storage actually is not a very like highly regulated industry, unlike hospitality and and uh, other and other industries that they have had lots of red tape and hurdles to overcome. Storage is one where it's um, it's not as invasive to a community or a neighborhood. For someone to come and drop off a car and store it in my garage, and nine months later they come back and pick up that car and they leave, that's not affecting our neighborhood in the same way that maybe foot traffic on a daily basis sure. might affect. And so 
really for given like locations, let's say HOAs or even communities, uh, they, they really like neighbor because we, we increase home values because all of a sudden your home is generating income. You could make hundreds, if not thousands of dollars every month off the space you're not using. And that all of a sudden, it's, it's almost like you, you're making money, even though it's still zoned for residential. So um, we, we haven't had those hurdles. And I, I'm sure there will be opposition. But like, um, all in all, we've, we've appealed to the demographics. We help communities. We help individuals. Um, and, and we want to continue to do so. That's great. What else would you share as far as advice to our listeners who are interested in or are working in the sharing economy? What do you think that they should keep their eyes out for? Yeah, sorry, to rephrase the question, like specifically sharing economy or just general advice for entrepreneurs? So why don't we start with sharing economy and then I'll give you general advice. Yeah, great. Um, I, and I've had a lot of people talk to me or X, Y, or Z. I hear um, yeah, the internet's glitching. So I'm going to have you restate what advice you would give because, you know, it's all things tech today. So just, yeah. 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 No worries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a fairly common question. Like, um, that sharing economy is, it's the way of the future. Like we're leveraging underutilized resources to make both a more affordable experience as well as a way for others to make money. So that's my small pitch that I've, I love sharing economy companies. I think it's just a way to improve um, our, our commerce in general. Um, as far as advice that have, lots of people have approached and said, hey, I want to start the Uber or the Airbnb of X, Y, and Z. And it could be of power tools or of camera equipment or uh, whatever that is. Um, my biggest recommendation is to pick, um, like, pick a narrow focus, like really hone in on a single thing and ideally hone in on one where you feel like you can hack one side of the marketplace. Yeah. You can figure out the supply or the demand. A lot of people want to take on the world and just say, we want to do every rental under the sun. And that's just very difficult because you now need to get, uh, like you need both the supply and the demand. Mm-hmm. Think of you and associate your brand with everything at once. Yeah. And unless you have that overnight, it's very difficult to, to grow that traction. Yeah. Um, I, I use the example that, I mean, Amazon was a bookstore and now they're flying rocket ships and Google was a search engine and now they're doing everything under the sun. Like you've, um, it would be better to focus in on a single thing within a sharing economy market and spread from there. So like I, this is just an example I'll sometimes throw out there. If I wanted to do a a sharing economy platform for um, athletic equipment rentals. I might focus in and say, I'm going to do ski equipment and I'm going to spend an entire week on the ski slopes and everyone that's getting off the bus to go up the hill, I'm going to say, Hey, do you need skis? You should get on my platform and rent. Here's a flyer. And for everyone coming off the hill with skis, I'm going to hand them another flyer and say, Hey, you've got skis. You're not going to use for the the next 60 days. You might come two more times a season. You should put them on my platform and rent them out to someone else. Mm -hmm. That would be one way that you could hack the system and, very quickly establish a brand around that that system. So uh, long story short, my, my advice for sharing economy would be pick a pick a narrow focus where you can go deep so that people associate that brand with you. And then the second piece of advice would be try to hack one side or both sides of the market, the supplier and the demand. 
Okay. And then as far as entrepreneurs, and all of that is great advice, by the way. As far as entrepreneurs go, since you are certainly one, what advice do you have for them? Um, probably like two things come to mind. First, I'm, I'm actually not a huge advocate of, of how you should be an entrepreneur. I'm not, I, for me, it very much found me and I'm glad I'm here. I absolutely love it. Wouldn't do it, wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, but I don't think I would be able, like, um, I'm so excited that I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm so passionate and this goes for everyone on my team and not because I contrived something. Like I was so obsessed with becoming an entrepreneur that I made something work. Yeah. My biggest piece of advice is go deep and learn some some very relevant skill sets. Like pick up some engineering or coding resources so that you can be a huge asset when you do start a company or go start working at a company. And as ideas come, like take those leaps of faith and join them. Uh, but I wouldn't, um, I'm not the biggest advocate of saying everyone should be an entrepreneur and you should go start something even if you don't know what it is. Um, my second piece of advice um, is just like really creating value for the customers that you are, um, that you're working towards. For us, like that is the biggest, like the single most driving factor. The fact that I know we have people making 20 grand a year on neighbor. They're making tons of money and this is significant. We have people paying for their mortgage or their phone yeah. bills, like paying for Christmas because they've got a part of their garage they're not using. Like that's, it, it's a huge motivation for us to know we're helping users. Sorry, were you going to say something? I was going to say, you're able to help people actually pay their mortgages and people who might not be able to otherwise in some cases too. Yep, exactly. And it's, it's awesome. And one of my, my favorite jobs that I've had is I've actually worked a lot with customers on a, an individual basis. In the early days, I was taking photos of every listing that would onboard with us. And we have other photographers at this point, but it, it was great to be able to talk to them and hear their stories of like, Hey, I recently went through a divorce and I don't have a source of income. Like neighbor is making me $300 a month and I don't do any work. Like it just sits in my basement or in my garage. Um, so that, that's been something that as an entrepreneur, it would, it would be really hard. Like not that other industries aren't worthwhile or worth pursuing, but for me, it's been a very helpful driver to know like the customers that are using neighbor absolutely love it. And it's making a meaningful impact. In addition, every one of our renters, on average, our listings are about 50% the price of traditional storage. So those people that are in a bind and need storage, we're not only closer, not only do we provide a guarantee that makes us safer, but we're also a cheaper option for them. So um, that, like, being able to provide value for our customers has been um, one of the things that's driven me as an entrepreneur. That's fantastic. I mean, I even imagine with the retirement community, we're getting into your baby boomers up to, you know, silent generation now. Uh, you're giving people who don't have other income other than Social Security potentially, or maybe there's a pension, opportunities where they could make money. And some people live in big houses and have the room to be able to actually do this. And it's very easy and it's not a task that they're going to have to take on. Yeah, no, exactly. One of our very early customers is one of my favorite stories just because I spent so much time with them in the early days as we were growing neighbor was um, a, a retired woman named Annette. Her husband had passed away. He was a veterinarian that he had a small animal hospital that no longer is in use. It's in a residential community. And um, well, she now has, a, it's a recycling company. They store a few of their trucks in the parking lot of this abandoned animal hospital. Mm -hmm. And she has like retired widow is able to make money 
every month off of this transaction. Um, just really cool to see the impact. And not only that, but the person that rented her space, he ended up finding a friend that could trim her trees and do her bushes. Like it was a very neighborly transaction. And it was not only one of our first, like first people, like we didn't know either of them. They found both of our, like they found our platform organically, but it was um, incredible to see how it worked. That's awesome. Well, how can our listeners learn a little bit more about Neighbor? Where should they go to visit? Yeah. No, check out neighbor.com. So neighbor.com is, is where our website is. You can find storage there. You can also um, list your space to make money. It's a very simple, it's free to list your space. It doesn't cost money. You can get on and it'll ask you simple questions like what type of space is this? And you can say, oh, this, I've got a lot that I can store. Like I could park a few vehicles here mm -hmm. or I've got a garage or a bedroom or an office space that I haven't filled completely. From there, it'll ask questions like, well, how big is that space? And then we'll give you a recommended price. We'll say, hey, this is how much we think you should charge. And they can put whatever they want. Um, we make our money by charging the renter a small additional fee. So it's not that we're taking money away from you, uh, apart from a very small, like the credit card transaction fee. Um, and then finally, we have a great referral program. And in fact, this is a very timely time for us to have this interview that perfect. Yeah, tomorrow, we're launching a new referral program where it's a, it's almost like a gamified ranking system where anyone that you refer that publishes their space uh, and that space gets rented, you will get $50 and they will get $50. So it's an exciting referral program where you should tell your friends, like you're not selling them on something. You're just saying, Hey, do you like making money? Well, not only would you get $50, but you can make money month over month sure. for renting your space out. And there's a point system. Not only can you make $50 for every completed reservation, mm -hmm. but the leader at the end of each month, so the person at the top of the board, will get an entire month of their mortgage paid off. So neighbor.com is going to come in and write a check for your mortgage for that month. Yeah. So it's just, we are firm believers that not only can neighbor, when you're renting your space out, pay off your mortgage, but we want to communicate that in a very visual way and saying, in fact, we're going to pay some of the mortgage off every month, repeatedly month over month. And so every month that'll reset and you'll have a fresh chance to go invite your friends, invite family members. And as they convert and they list their space, you'll go up in the rankings and you have a chance to get your mortgage paid off. That's a very cool point system. And yeah. then for someone to sign up for it, do they just have to go to neighbor.com to sign up for that? Yep. Neighbor.com. And they, um, yeah. for this specific river, for the specific um, referral program, you'll see it, it's in the top right corner, but you can also do neighbor.com slash invite. That should work just fine. Perfect. So that, that goes live tomorrow or Wednesday, or sorry, Thursday morning to the 27th okay. um, of June. Perfect. We'll get that up there then and make sure that that's included in our podcast notes as well, all of our listeners. And are there any last words of parting advice that you could give our listeners today? Oh man, I, I've, I feel like we've covered a lot of things. I would say probably the most important thing and the, uh, the, the biggest help in starting a company is surrounding yourselves with people that are smarter than you and that you trust. Like uh, everyone at this company, I would say is smarter than myself and they're all amazing. It's, it's cool to work with not only close friends, but people that I admire and can get lots of professional help from. So whatever you do, um, even if you're not going to be an entrepreneur and start your own company, like you should definitely factor in whatever career path you take, you should factor in those that you work with and make sure there are people that inspire you to be better and also um, can help mentor you. Well, I think that is awesome parting words of advice. 
So Preston, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really enjoyed having you on the show. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them and look forward to chatting with you on our next podcast. Preston, thanks. Thanks again, Stacey.